Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student, where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. This is Lori, and today we are headed into Mosiah chapters 4 through 6, and we're going to talk about the covenant and what that means to us as individuals. Next on the 20-Minute Scriptorian. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. It is great to be back with you. I hope you're all healthy and well and everyone doing uh, just great through this pandemic and these unique times we're living through. Um, today's lesson is a little bit unique, and I thought I'd go a little bit off script, so bear with me. Um, as you know, most of you know, I went back to school, and so I say that in the intro, so of course you know that, but I went back to school, and I'm going to a university in uh, Portland and doing some uh, undergrad kind of classes, so I'm doing Hebrew and theology, etc., and then I'm at Gonzaga for my master's program in Bible studies and theology, but in the school in Oregon, it's evangelical. And we continually have run up against an idea that is very different about what it means to be a believer, a disciple, a Christian. And what are our responsibilities? What are we supposed to do with that? And um, very different beliefs than we have. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about that because King Benjamin directly addresses some of those questions that I find have been a little bit confused uh, between the two groups. So if you'll bear with me, I'll tell you a little bit about that story, and then we'll jump into King Benjamin and see what he says. So as I'm going to school, like I mentioned, one of the things that's so different is that there's this concept of um, of being saved, right? And we, we believe in that. We believe, hey, yeah, I'm saved, and, and I'm now part of the believers. I've, I'm part of the church. I am a, a member, we say, um, and... What's different is I ha we have an assignment right now where we are writing a doctrinal statement. And that was a weird term to me, but what that is is a, it's like the Articles of Faith or the proclamation that just came out earlier this month. You have to write a proclamation, and it's a group project. I hate group projects. It always seems like somebody dumps on you and you do all the work. But the reason I wasn't super excited about this group project is we have an eight-part doctrinal statement we have to write. And... Each point is kind of one of the articles of faith is how we think of them. Of course, we spend like two pages writing it instead of a few sentences. But the topics are things like um, scripture, the church, um, the tr they use the Trinity, but then we do the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, salvation, uh, stuff like that. And so we have just finished up a couple of articles on salvation and belief and what we have to do. And here's where it's really different. Do you ever ask yourself, hey, now that I am a believer, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to do anything? And am I, am I kind of like 
in or am I out? Um, and, and that's a question that comes up quite a bit in school. And here's where the belief is different. They really have a different idea that once you are saved, and for them in the evangelical group, and evangelical is just a term that means um, kind of the proselyting or the, the, it means gospel. So it's the gospel following Protestants. And they don't like the term Protestant. And would you, I'm a protester. No, you are one that's a gospel believer. So just like we don't like the term Mormons, and we say the Church of Jesus Christ, they don't really love the term Protestant. Instead, they say we're evangelical. I always thought that meant that they were like the ones that were kind of mean to the church members, because that's my experience. But that's not what it means. Um, And they aren't all mean to us, at least not at school. They're not all mean to me. However, they find that being saved is a a lot of times a one-time act. And you've probably heard that I was saved on October 28th, 1922, whatever it is, at 4.15. And, and meaning they accepted Christ. They, they, and they had some kind of spiritual witness of that. Some believe that, yeah, it's something that takes place over time, and it's a slower conversion. But sometimes we kind of look back and say, when did I gain a testimony? When did I feel like I knew the church was true? And if we're converts, we might have an experience that we say, I remember I was, I was praying or I was in this ex- specific experience. Um, if we grew up in the church, sometimes it's harder to put our finger on it because we might have just grown up and said, well, I always kind of knew it. And then as I uh, was in the young women's program, I had this experience or I, I finally had to read the Book of Mormon for myself or I was a missionary, etc. And we might pin it to a specific experience. But for many evangelicals, it's a specific experience. Um, I think there's power in that. I like that idea that it's a it's a believer. You're making a choice, right? You're making a choice. And King Benjamin's a little bit like that, right? King Benjamin is, hey, I'm giving you this speech of when you're going to become a, s- a disciple of Christ, and then you're going to make a choice. You're going to make a covenant to follow him. So while the school, kids I go to school with, it's a little bit different. At other times, I read King Benjamin, and I say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is kind of what they're talking about, too. We do have something like that. However, what's very different, as I've found, is, uh, and I had to write the doctrinal statement for our group called Salvation, for them, it's a one-time thing. You are saved, and then you're saved forever. And there's nothing you can do to get on the out crowd. Meaning, once you feel like you've accepted Christ and been saved, then it, you don't have to do anything else. You're in. And 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 they point to some great scriptures, which are like, um, uh, Christ says, you know, once those who he's given me, you know, are, are saved forever, or they're, uh, the sheep hear my voice, and I know them. So for them, they're saying, I can't. I can't really undo what he has done in saving me. And King Benjamin says a little bit different. And, and so as I wrote the salvation doctrine um, document, I kept, I just had a super hard time because I could not get it right. I was like, what? You guys think that it's just good for all? And I was like, you know us, uh, we're like endure to the end. And here's like a laundry list of things I have to do. I have to go to church on Sundays and I have to pay my tithing and I need to go to the temple and I should be doing my genealogy. I should be reading my scriptures. I should be praying a bunch. Oh, I should be helping the poor. Um, I should be watching my language. Uh, I should probably be wearing better clothes and be more modest. I mean, we just, we love a laundry list of things that we would say, keep us saved. And they would say, no, you're in. He's already done all the hard work. And why are you trying to do the work for him? So, for them, we're earning salvation, and for us, we're saying, no, I'm following his commandments. But ask yourself that question, and then let's see what Benjamin says. Once you choose to become a disciple of Christ, once you choose 
to be a believer, once you say I'm on the covenant path, what, what do you do? What do you have to do? Why do you do it? And how do you feel about that? What do you do? Why do you do it? And how does it make you feel? Here's what I think is interesting as we read through this. I think Benjamin answers all those questions, and he can also take away a little bit of the guilt and a little bit of those uh, vague questions that maybe sometimes we have. So let's, let's read through and see what he says. Uh, uh, Mosiah 4. So we're doing Mosiah 4 and 5, and we'll jump around a little bit. Mosiah 4. Now it came to pass, and now it came to pass that when King Benjamin had made an end of speaking the words which had been delivered unto him by the angel of the Lord, that he cast his eyes round about on the multitude. And behold, they had fallen to the earth, for the fear of the Lord had come upon them. Uh, this is an interesting thing. We don't, uh, you see this a lot in the Book of Mormon. They get kind of overcome. They get overwhelmed um, by these experiences. Sometimes they kind of pass out. Uh, I, I think this is a little bit of a narrative thing that you could definitely tell that the people had a response that the words of King Benjamin had had a profound response. And in this case, they'd fallen to the earth. And then there's another term in there. One we hear a lot in scripture. We don't, we don't use very much anymore. Fear of the Lord. Uh, fear of the Lord. What is fear of the Lord? I had a, a crazy roommate who came from a, a different background as well. And one day she was like, I don't like that term fear of the Lord. Cause I, we shouldn't have to fear him. We should love him. And then she told about how she was a child. She uh, felt very, um, kind of beaten up by church beliefs, N- not ours, but just the one that she had grown up in, that it was very fearful, very sinner, you're a sinner all the time. So for her, that term was literally fear. I don't think that's exactly what that means. That is more like a respect that you realize your place between uh, God. I love Moses and the book of Moses, where once he has seen all creation, that he says, I see now that I'm nothing, uh, which thing I had never supposed before but once he sees that view of the universe he also knows how important and precious he is so as big and transcendent as God is and awesome as his creation is he sees how important he is even though he's just one of a very small amount of creation so I think that's the fear of the Lord but they 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 uh, the people of Benjamin they they see this response and they kind of fall to the ground um, in verse 2 it says and they viewed themselves in their own carnal state, even less than the dust of the earth. And they all cried aloud with one voice saying, Oh, have mercy and apply the atoning blood of Christ that we may receive forgiveness of our sins and our hearts may be purified. For we believe in Jesus Christ, the son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things, who shall come down among the children of men. So you see this same idea when we understand our state, we are pretty humble, right? And we're like, Oh, be merciful we we realize that we have quite the separation came to pass that after they had spoken these words the spirit of the lord came upon them and they were filled with joy having received a remission of their sins and having peace of conscience because of the exceeding faith which they had in jesus christ who should come according to the words which king benjamin had spoken to them so the people had asked for this effect so remember, they felt bad, they, could, they recognized their situation, and then they asked for the effects of the atonement to come on them. And then the Spirit comes, and they feel this remission of sins. It says they were filled with joy. Um, and joy is 
is very often related to these experiences with the spirit. So when we feel the spirit, we feel great joy. Um, I love that we say, you know, currently that the remission of sins requires baptized. And so we'd say, oh, maybe these people are baptized. But we don't see that in the Book of Mormon until later, that baptism specifically has a, uh, a different concept of, of remission of sins that comes a little bit later. You're going to see that later in Alma uh, with the waters of Mormon. So for now, they're getting this confirmation of their faith and this joy, this cleansing of the Spirit um, through their faith in whom? In Jesus Christ. It's not faith in themselves, and it's not faith in the church, and it's not faith in Benjamin. It's faith in Jesus Christ who, would, who should come. And so they, that's, that's the key, is this faith in Christ. Um, we'll keep going, and let's see. Uh, there's some extra spots here that we're going to say um, what we're supposed to do. Verse 4, And King Benjamin again opened his mouth and began to speak unto them, saying, My friends and my brethren, my kindred and my people, I will call again your attention that ye may under hear and understand the remainder of my words that I speak to you. I just love the way he has these four addresses, friends, brothers and sisters, kindred, my family, and my people. Uh, what a great leader. He is bringing in all the relationships that he has. Um, he's not just dictating to them. For behold, if the knowledge of the goodness of God at this time has awakened you to a sense of your nothingness and your worthless and fallen state. All right, well, this is not something. You probably haven't had this kind of uh, church doctrine or uh, talk given to you from the pulpit is now you know that you're nothing <laughs> now you know uh, that you are just nothingness in your fallen state um, and you recognize that then you're saying I realize the goodness of God to redeem us that's a little bit awkward for us but if we think about it we've probably all had that experience have you ever had the specific experience where you felt particularly sinful or you'd really made a mistake I often think there have been a few times in my life that I said, man, if I had a time machine and I could go back and undo that stupid thing that I did, that would be one of them. And you're just mortified, you're embarrassed, uh, just the guilt or the stupidity or the feelings that you get when you're like, I can't believe that I either said or did those things. I would love a time machine and to go back and erase it forever and I think that's what he's talking about. If you, have you ever felt that state and you realize how dumb or fallen or worthless you are, but now you recognize the goodness of God when you have the repentance and the feeling of the spirit from and the atonement of Christ. And that's what he's saying. If you have that, then, then here's what he says we're supposed to do next. I say unto you, if you have come to a knowledge of the goodness of God and his matchless power and his wisdom and his patience and his long suffering, that's a lot of things, towards the children of men, and also the atonement which has been prepared from the foundation of the world, that thereby salvation might come to him that should put his trust in the Lord and should be diligent in keeping his commandments and continue in the faith even to the end of his life and I mean the life of the mortal body, I say that this is the man who received salvation through the atonement, which was prepared from the foundation of all the world for all humankind, which ever were since the fall of Adam, or who are, or ever shall be, even until the end of the world. Um, this verses 5 and 6 really set up a set of conditions, and verse 7 is the conclusion, right? So the conditions following 
a blessing. If you humble yourselves or this imagery of this nothingness, right? Humility. Uh, I, I recently was talking to a, a coworker, one of my staff, and he came in for a raise. And he thought, I said, well, why do, you, why do you think you should get a raise? I mean, we're in there in COVID. We have people losing their jobs. And you're asking for a very significant raise. And he said, what? And he went on to tell me how awesome he was and how much better than everybody else he was. And I have been just overwhelmed with wanting to talk to him about humility. It would have come off a lot better if you said, I think I have a lot of value. And instead, he just, it was so prideful. And, and again, a lesson to me, don't do that. Be humble. Um, anyway, kind of a dumb example, but remember the humility of yourselves and especially in terms of our relationship to the, to the Lord. That's the first condition. The second, you have come to a knowledge of the goodness of God and and other qualities, a knowledge of the goodness. That is a beautiful phrase. It isn't just that you feel this fear of God or this humility or how different you are, but that you have the goodness of God. When something really fantastic happens in your life or you feel the spirit or you felt the redempting power of the atonement and you're like, wow, I am, I'm so grateful for that. Remember that, that knowledge of the goodness of God. And then the third one, you have come to a knowledge of the atonement. Once you realize that it's Christ that allows you to feel that way, then you have that knowledge. And then you will be diligent in keeping God's commandments and you will continue to do so throughout this life. So this is the person, the person who does all these things, who will receive salvation. So if I could go back and I could explain to my classmates, I'd say, yes, the atonement is what does it. I don't earn salvation, but I qualify for it. And he asks me to do things. He asks me to change. I now have the time and the freedom to be an agent and act for myself and and learn how to be a better person without the doom of sin over my head. I can try again. And so he's asking me, once I have the humility, knowledge of the goodness, knowledge of the atonement, that I would keep the commandments and I would continue to do so throughout my life. So this is this, this is the covenant, right? This is what we're going to say. This is what I'm expectation. I like how it says in the New Testament too, uh, in John, if you love me, keep my commandments. And sometimes don't you just feel like, oh, it's so easy. I love him so much, or I just feel this spirit so strongly that I, it's easy. And then the next day you're like, oh, not as easy. <laughs> I didn't do so well. But that's okay. He's saying, go back, do it again. And then the great underlying, underlining scripture, I would get my scripture notebook out and underline this and put a little star by it. Mosiah 4, 8. And this is the means whereby salvation cometh. And there is none other salvation save this, which has been spoken of. Neither are there any conditions whereby man can be saved except the condition which I have told you. So the earlier focus of Benjamin's talk was the atonement and sin. And they yielded to this repentance, this forgiveness, the group, right? They fell to their, the ground and they had this communal response. And then they felt the clear, clean slate, right? They felt the spirit come upon them and they felt the the remission of their sins. Um, And they are not progressing just for themselves, right? They're not doing anything. And yet he's saying, this is where salvation comes. So Benjamin's teaching or reminding his people, the difference between accepting the atonement and ultimate salvation. So he uses the Messiah's atonement as the transition. Let me say that again. 
Benjamin's teaching and reminding his people the difference between accepting the atonement and ultimate salvation. If I went back and I rewrote my salvation doctrine document for a class, I would probably write that exact sentence. There's a difference between accepting the atonement and ultimate salvation. So what is salvation? What, what is it? I think it's a couple of steps, right? We have to have the humility. We have to know about the atonement. We have to accept it. But I think, too, um, what do we have to do? We have to enter the covenant path. We have to say, I am covenanting that I'm going to try my best, and I'm going to keep trying. And we already know we're not going to make it. I love the way that Benjamin says it in the beginning because he keeps saying over and over that this has been the plan that's been prepared from the foundation of the world. And it's for all humankind from Adam through this time and through the future. I already know you're going to blow it. So this was the plan so that you could be saved even though you're going to blow it. So do you ever feel the guilt? Do you ever go, I can't do it. Forget it. It's too hard. It's like a million lists. I'm never going to be able to bake cookies and sing hymns and be kind to people all the time. And he's saying, that isn't the point. That isn't the point. I think he's saying, you keep working on it. And I'm giving you a way that you can be saved even though you're never going to do it, right? But try. Keep my commandments. Endure to the end. Here are some more instructions. What else do you have to do? Believe in God. Believe that he is. And that he created all things, both in heaven and earth. Believe that he has all wisdom and all power, both in heaven and in earth. Believe that man doth not comprehend all the things which the Lord can comprehend. I, bl- I love this. It isn't just about doing. It's about believing. I have trust. I know whom I believe in. I believe in God. And then he created everything. And that he, I don't, I'm never going to understand everything he understands. That's faith. Have faith. And again, believe that you must repent of your sins and forsake them. And humble yourselves before God. And ask in sincerity of heart that he would forgive you. And now, if you believe all these things, see that you do them. Does this sound oddly like the first principles and ordinances of the gospel? does to me. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and then repentance of your sins. But I love that. And if you believe all these things, do them. Do them. Uh, John seven seventeen is one of my favorites. Um, look it up. But it basically says, if you would know, uh, do the do- if you would know if his doctrine's true, do it. Try it out. Test me. John seven seventeen. So, Mosiah here is saying the same thing, the languages of the verses before, but here the, he's saying it a little bit differently. Know the sense of your humility. Know your um, fallen state. And now it's the true transition. We're going from the point of humility to a relationship of forgiveness and salvation. We're now moving onward, moving from prostrating ourselves on the ground to the glory of gospel living. We can now stand back on our feet he, bring, he stands us back up and says, now that you know, let me help you. And now we can know and felt the joy of the atonement, and we can take the next, next step in our progress. If you believe all these things, see that you do them. Doing forms, gives this conceptual theme, and, and it's their next part of the discourse. So then he's going to go on. Once you know all these things, and how do you retain this remission, and how do you know And he's giving us a reason for obeying. He's going to say because of the joy. So this joy, this remission of sin, the exceedingly great joy, this feeling, this rejoicing, 
if we continue in humility and faith, we will grow in knowledge. We will continue. The joy will continue. So at the beginning, we talked just briefly about a couple questions. What, what is it? What is salvation? Why do we care? And what do we have to do? But I think salvation is a couple of things. First, it's understanding the atonement and then understanding that our ultimate salvation, that we are partners with, uh, or Christ is asking us to do more. We don't earn our salvation, but we qualify for it, and he's asking us to do something. So what is it? It's the atonement of Christ. Why does it matter? Because it's going to give us great joy. It's going to give us great joy. And what do we do? Keep his commandments. Keep trying. And then he goes on to some specifics about helping others, serving, and how do we show it by service. All right, that's it. Talk to you next time. Keep on reading.